encourage you to open it up to one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. It's from Luke chapter 24. And uh, let me ask you this question. Would God ever lie to you? No, God would never lie. God who cannot lie, it tells us in the uh, book of Hebrews. God who cannot lie. So God would never lie to you. He never will lie to you. He hasn't ever lied to you. Would God ever mislead you? Yes, he would. He misleads these men on the road to Emmaus. He misleads them not just once, but twice, and actually, in a sense, a third time. He does not reveal to them exactly who he is. He is. He suggests to them that he doesn't know what they're talking about. Then when they come to the end of their journey, he makes as though he is going on when he is in fact not. So on numerous occasions in this story, Jesus misleads these, his followers. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a little bit scary when Jesus says, follow me, and then he misleads me. Have any of you ever found yourself in a place that you thought, how in the world did I get here? Have anybody ever found it? Uh, sometimes I find myself in those kind of places it's because my wife is driving. But anyhow, uh, I, I got to be careful what I say about that. She, she, gave, she just gave me the look. And so uh, as we close in prayer. Uh, no, uh, so, actually, this might be the safest place for me to stay. Uh, but anyhow, In this chapter, in this story, we see God misleading his disciples for a purpose and for a reason. And that's the difference between him lying to you and misleading you. He misleads you because where you want to go isn't a good place to go. Uh, We have a little toddler that's in our home every now and then. And uh, we uh, don't treat him like we did the other little toddlers that were in our home. We, we had a spanking spoon, a swizzle stick, and, and when we, uh, it, it turned up missing one day, and we found it, uh, the kids had hidden it up over the top of the cabinet somewhere. If we'd have known who, we'd let them meet the swizzle stick again. But this, this new little toddler that comes into our home, we don't treat him that way. He is perfect in every way. <laughs> but every now and then, he needs to be distracted from what it is he wants to do for his own good. And God, every now and then, as our perfect, loving, kind, and compassionate Father, misleads us or distracts us from what we want to do so that he might teach us something about who he is. Who he is. This is the first day of the resurrected Christ. This is the first day of the resurrected Christ. And these two followers of Christ, these two followers of Christ, we are told they're fathers, followers, we are told they're disciples. In other words, there isn't to be called into question whether or not these people are committed to Jesus Christ or not. They are, they're just discouraged. And discouragement can bring us to do a lot of odd things that we might not otherwise do. And they're on a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. To a place called Emmaus. Now, how long would it take you to walk seven miles? 
Well, on average, we walk about three, three and a half, maybe four mile an hour. So this is about a two hour walk. We don't know how far they are into this walk, at which point we find out about Jesus coming into this. But we do know this, they've walked long enough that they are engaged in conversation with each other. In fact, the text tells us they reasoned as to why these things had happened. In other words, they had been talking between each other about what it was that had happened. Now, we'll find out later they know that Christ has died. They'll, we'll find out later they know that Christ has, his body is gone from the grave. They know that there are some that think he is, is, is resurrected, and, and yet they are also confused as to why it was he did die. And so they have a great deal of the information at their uh, discussion as they're talking with each other. And, and, and the text says they reasoned with each other. In other words, reason suggests they're, 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 they're formulating opinions, trying to understand and grasp and intellectually uh, comprehend what it is that has happened. Have you ever tried to figure out life? <laughs> That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out life. I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, I have flunked that figure out life exam so many times. I don't even bother hardly taking it anymore. I just kind of open up the book and try to figure out from there. But uh, they're, they're trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out uh, why has all this stuff happened. And, and this, this man comes along, and the text tells us their eyes were restrained. That's a passive verb. In other words, it's not that they didn't see him because they were downcasted. It literally is stating that, that God is withholding from them the ability to comprehend who Jesus is so that he might teach them. There are certain things it's best you not know. Did your mom ever tell you that? You best not know this. Uh, You know, and uh, sometimes it's best you not know some stuff. It's for your good so that God can teach you something better. And that's exactly what's happening here. I I meet people that that, that struggle with a variety of different things in their lives. And and they say, you know, I've prayed about it. Why doesn't God change it? Have you ever prayed about something and God hasn't changed it yet? Join the club. If you didn't raise your hand just then, you're a liar. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we all pray about stuff that God didn't do anything about. And we keep thinking to ourselves, you know, come on, God, I'm praying about this. I want you to show me. Their eyes were restrained so that they did not know. Uh, what kind of a conversation are you having? <laughs> That's what Jesus says. What, what kind of a conversation are you having with one another as you walk and are sad? He, he acknowledges they're having a conversation. He acknowledges they're going somewhere. But he also acknowledges that emotionally it's a tough day. You know, you, you probably learned this whole song. If you're happy and you know it, say amen, amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. You, you've sung that song, haven't you? Christians are never supposed to be sad. Christians are always happy. They're never sad. And if you're sad, you're not walking with God. That's the way it is. Well, these dudes are walking with God. They don't know it is God. They don't recognize it is. They're still walking with him, though they don't know who he is. My friends used to do this to me, and I'm kind of a sucker for it. They'd come up, stand behind me, and touch me on the opposite shoulder, and I'd look that way, and then they'd be on the other side. 
God does that to you every now and then. <laughs> you know, he tells you, he's there next to you. He's there next to you. You can't perceive that he's there, but he's there. You're walking with him and you don't even know you're walking with him. They're walking with the risen Christ. And they don't know it. In fact, they, they, they don't know it to the point that they're sad. They're discouraged. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden. Jesus invites you to come to him in your sorrow. Jesus does not require you to wipe away all your tears and come to him happy. In fact, the guy that wants to wipe away your tears is Jesus. He wants to meet you and know you as you are. Let that sink down in. What kind of a conversation you have? And and one of them, whose name was Cleopas. Now, I never heard this, and there's not a lot of evidence to back this up, okay? So I'm going to tell you something that I'm not even sure is true, but it's just cool because I read it in the commentary. It's just too cool not to make the sermon, okay? Uh, There was Mary and the other Mary that went to the tomb. We, we heard that passage early, right? Mary and the other Mary. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary was Mary, the wife of Clopas. It might be the same guy. We don't really know. But it could be. It, it's kind of fun to think about it if it would be the same guy. But, but it's interesting to note there was two women at the tomb and now there's two men on the road to Emmaus. And he says, what things? That's Jesus talking. Jesus asks them, what? He's going to let them verbalize their understanding of what's going on. Jesus will listen to you. Some people say, well, I don't know if you can pray that. You know, is it right for Christians to pray that kind of prayer? Man, if you can't tell God you're discouraged, who can you tell? So uh, they, they, they tell him the whole scoop. In fact, they say, how do you not know this? They bring a charge against him. You know, what rock are you living under? You know, I mean, have you ever, Jesus could have said, the rock I'm living under was the one that covered the grave. Because <laughs> that's where I've been for three days. And that rock got rolled away. You know, but where have you been that you don't know this? And, and, and I look at verse 24, I love it. And, and certain of them who were with us, certain of them who were with us, they are not afraid to identify 
as being a follower of Christ to this unknown stranger. Us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. Twenty-five and twenty-six. O foolish ones, slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And now it turns back to black ink instead of red ink, if you have a red letter Bible. And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What exactly did Jesus argue to them? We don't know because it was a private conversation. Everything Jesus tells you, you don't have to tell everybody else. That's, by the way, that's a really hard thing for a preacher to admit because I like to tell everything that Jesus told me because I need to find servant material. Uh, we had a professor in homiletics. He said every Sunday, turn it off at 12 while the faucet's still running strong. Man, I don't. I wait till the last drip comes out and then I shake the handle hoping there's a little bit more in there. private conversation and so uh, he uh, it's not recorded I wrote this down and I wanted to read it because I thought it was so good don't applaud at the end but nod your head as though it looks and sounds intelligent okay we don't know what he said but we do know who did all the talking? What did he say that transformed them? Perhaps he told them of the Passover lamb. Perhaps he told them of the lily of the valley. Perhaps he told them of the king of kings and lord of lords. Perhaps he told them of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Perhaps he told them of the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Perhaps he told them of the kinsman redeemer. We don't know what he told them, but we know where he took them. He took them to the book. He took them to the word. He took them to the light. He took them to the great teacher, the Old Testament, the witness of the promises of the source of the lasting hope, the infinite, the eternal, the most blessed book, God's holy word. I just nod your head and go, man, that was good. I wrote it down from somebody else. Okay, anyhow. He took them to the Bible. Now, it says next, they came to the town where they were going to spend the night, and they bid him to come in to spend the meal with them. Now, in the Jewish culture, you didn't eat at 6 o'clock in the evening like we do here, because daylight was a precious commodity. You waited until it was dark, because when the daylight was on, it was the only time you get getting done. Because once it got dark, it was just too hard to do things in candlelight. And so we eat at 6 o'clock because we can flood the patio with lights and we can go to stores where it's lit on the inside and we can, we can do all kinds of things after dark, but they couldn't do that. So they didn't eat until it was dark. And so they set out on this seven-mile, two-hour journey and now it's dark when they're getting to where they're going to be. What happened? They're slow walkers. Or maybe they stopped. 
and just listen. And waited. You know, God can teach you a lot if you'll slow down and listen. But I gotta admit, that's not very easy to do, is it? I prefer to just keep moving. Go, go, go. See you know what God does? He brings things into your life and my life that just stop us in our tracks to where we can't keep going. You know, a lot of people look at their watch while the funeral's going on. I've never seen anybody in the immediate family look at their watch. When's he going to be done? Hey, the guy's back on the back row. They're there because they had to come because it was somebody at work. And blah, 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 blah. But the family, they don't look at their watches. You know why they don't? Because God has them stop. God stopped you lately? Hey, slow down, Buster. I need to talk to you. You're going at this thing way too fast. At the front end of this, he'll gently hold your hand. Hey, slow down, slow down. Then maybe he'll pull your hand. If you just keep going on, he absolutely will slap you upside the head to get your attention. Yeah. yeah, I see you, John. I know. I've been there, buddy. <laughs> and, and they say to him, you know, come on in, sit down and, 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 and eat with us. And he made as though he would go on further. I, I think of where Jesus says to his disciples, are you too going to leave me? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou alone hast the words of eternal life. Oh, don't leave me, Lord. Don't leave me now. No, Lord, don't leave me. And, and he, they constrained him. Abide with us. By the way, don't you think God loves that when we say, oh, Lord, be in my life. Lord, be in my life. Don't, don't you think God, I think that's a prayer God loves to hear. He loves to hear his people cry out. They don't, it doesn't matter to him where you are when you cry. God loves his people to say, I want you to be with me, God, please. And so uh, he comes in and, and, and it came to pass, he sat at the table and he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it. It's the exact same wording as in the communion bread. <laughs> Deja vu all over again. I've seen this movie before. It's him. And, and then it says, he vanished from their sight. He didn't leave 
He just vanished. He's still there, isn't he? He's still here with you. And, and here it notes, their eyes were open. They knew it was him. He vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us as he broke the bread and revealed who he was? Uh, look at your Bible again. Did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the word and explained it to us? Literally, these two disciples say, understanding who Christ is through the word is more powerful than the miraculous of seeing him face to face. You know, you ever, you ever hear somebody say this, man, I wish I'd have been alive back when Jesus was alive. For these guys that were there that saw him face to face, the wonder of understanding God's word exceeded that. How do we know it? It exceeded it because guess what they want to do? First, they arose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Wait, it's dark outside. You can't, you can't go back there. It's a two-mile hike. By the way, I think they got back and faster than they came. Don't you? I, I think they went back. They might have run on the way back. And, and let's say they could run. It was a one-hour run in the dark. No big deal. I've seen the resurrected Christ. By the way, you got to go to work tomorrow. You know that stuff you didn't do? How many of you had Friday off? How many of you? Some of us had Friday. Did anybody have Friday off? A few of us had Friday off. Okay, I'm going to say Friday, but for those of you that had Friday off Thursday, that stuff you left on your desk last Friday, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. But the resurrected Christ is with you. He's still there. He's still there. So they, they, they jumped up from where they were. They went to Jerusalem, found the 11. There's someone at the door. Who's at the door? Hey, you got to come with me. Come, 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 come. Go to the next door. Hey, you two, got to come with me, got to come with me. They found the 11. They were holed up hiding somewhere. They found the 11, and uh, gathered them together and said, The Lord is risen indeed. And while they were telling this to the 11, someone said, Hey, hey, Peter's seen him too. So now there's, there's, there's multiple people that are coming together in witness to say that the Lord is risen. Now, here's who you get to witness to. You get to witness to the people you know 
And guess what? There's other people that know the people that you know that they can witness to them too. And as you witness to them and they witness to them and others witness to them, the cumulative effect of a, of, of, of a number of people overwhelms folks with the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is witness what God has shown to you. But I don't know the whole Bible. No big deal. You know what God has shown you. And if you'll be faithful to witness what God has shown you, God will use it to transform lives. The first thing they did when they realized the resurrected Christ, they worshiped him. The second thing they did, they were mobilized. They ran to Jerusalem. And last, they testified. I wrote down 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Before they met the Savior, they were discouraged. When they met the Savior, they discovered. And after he had departed, they were dependent. Therefore, Paul writes to the Corinthians, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we do no longer regard him so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. As Jeremy Layden told us this morning at daybreak, as the Kansas prairie turns green in the spring, so God is working in us to bring about the glory of his life through us. Green up. (laughs) Green up. Tell others about Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. What a powerful book it is. We think Jesus is powerful and we know he's resurrected, but he used the word to light a fire under his followers that were discouraged. Lord, may your word light a fire under us even in the midst of our discouragement, may we turn to hear a Savior that listens and speaks and find the hope regenerated by his resurrected life in us to live on, live on, live on. Amen.